All right, so there's a million things to talk about, like their relative intelligence, their social structure, their memory, their ability to grieve and show affection. These, they're elephants. They can paint. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it takes a lot of uh, physical abuse to get them to do that, but they can still paint. That's pretty impressive. Striding across the African savanna in a constant search for food, the African elephant is the largest land animal in the world. But in spite of its size, the elephant is a master of subtlety. When large family groups are social distancing in the wilderness, it's vital that they stay connected remotely without alerting anyone nearby who may be looking for a snack of elephantine proportions. But communicating under the radar is all part of the elephant's survival tactics here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information, and I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're going to talk about the elephant in the room. More on that for the entire episode. Is there an elephant in your room? Uh, there's a metaphorical elephant, and that's this episode. Oh, okay. There's no elephants in here. There wouldn't be enough room. They're, they're very big. The elephant physically might be an elephant in the room metaphorically for this podcast because an elephant in the room is something big that everyone knows about that we haven't talked about yet yeah which so it describes it works on several this levels animal for this podcast uh but yeah <laughs> we're talking about the african bush elephant is the name of it it's not a specific elephant that you might not have heard of. That's just the African elephant you know and love. They're called the African bush elephant. No, there are two African elephants. Yeah, one is the African forest elephant. Yeah, so this one's the bigger one, the bush elephant. Which they're diff different species, right? Or is it a subspecies? No, they're no, different. Two different, they're different species. species. Yep, yeah. yep. Um, but, you know, we all know it as the African elephant, but you got to call it something else, something fun. Elephant's not fun. Elephant's pretty fun, but let's see your, uh, your submissions. All right, so we can call it here the long-range loxodon. I love it. I like it. It's like a magic card. Yeah. Uh, ears for fears. Mm. Mm, good, good. Mm. And teletrunks. Teletrunks. Yes. It sounds like a Sounds like a teletubby. <laughs> uh Sweet. Those are good. I like the the one that remind, reminds me of Magic the Gathering. I was I was really proud of Ears for Fears. I thought that would get a little bit more of a reaction out of you, but whatever. But is it does it have anything to do with 80s music or fear? It has well, I mean, yeah, it uses its we're going to talk about its form of communication and it uses its ears to warn others of danger. Okay, so that would have that would have made I mean, me to laugh listen if I for danger, <laughs> for to listen for danger, and then warns others with other parts, not the ears. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, if you have an ear out for fear, then you have ears for fears. That's true. But yeah, you want to taxonomize what? this bad boy? Sure. This gray boy. It's in the kingdom, you know. Love enter in the kingdom, Animalia. Mm -hmm. Bet you saw that coming. I did. Uh, the phylum. It's cordata, because it's got this big old sturdy spine that it likes to put hay and mud on. One of the biggest. Uh, the class is mammalia. It's a mammal. 
just like you and me. Carlos is doing a mammal, which yeah, is kind not- of like my arena. Uh, <laughs> am I step? Am I stepping on your turf? You're stepping on my tiny little elephant toenails. Uh, they're not tiny. They're just not. They're, they're not toes proper. They don't. They don't protrude. That's right. Speaking of protrude, uh, it's in the order proboscidae. Proboscidae. That sounds like trunk. That does sound like trunk, and it is. Uh, it's a. It's a taxon. Taxonomic. Ca- taxonomic. Taxonomic? Taxonomic? That's it. Order containing one living family, the elephants. Speaking of family, it's in the elephant elephantidae. That's the family that's the only one in Proboscidae. Yeah, I mean, yeah, elephantidae. That's, if you ate an elephantidae, you would be full. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it's It's in the genus Loxodonta. Which is an elephant dentist, uh, and then it's in the species Africana, Loxodonta Africana. The well, Loxodontist. <laughs> yeah. The subfamily is Elephantinae. Put a little bit of a little nay in there. Like a horse. Yeah. Uh, but since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for my favorite part of the show. Critter groups. Mm. Part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question and that question is the same every time. What is the name of a group of these animals? Or what is the name of a term of venery for these animals? Or what is just the collective noun for these animals? All the same thing. Um, so, Joe, what is the name of a group of elephants? Is it A, a trunk? Is it B, a memory? Is it C, a matriarchy? Or is it D, a confluence? I feel like we've done confluence before. Has that been an Have option we? before? I do cannot answer that question. Uh, let's see. The first two are too on the nose. A <laughs> 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 uh, trunk of elephants would be. I mean, uh, there's no point in reasoning. The people that make this stuff up is are, are just so unpredictable. But confluence sounds the most like an actual one of these, so I'm gonna go with that. Memory, a memory of elephants. If you said there's a memory of elephants over there, it's like, oh, what happened? Years ago, you were in that spot and something happened with elephants. <laughs> then, then you go back into their. You, you see a flashback and just these kind of ethereal, see-through elephants are are playing, and and then it it goes back to real life and. They're gone, and you're sad, and it's raining. Yeah, so that one seems uh, linguistically dishonest. <laughs> so, meaning, if they had come up with that, they shouldn't have. Uh, what was the third one? Matriarchy. A matriarchy. I don't think they, they have a matriarchal society, but you're going to tell us more about that, I guess. Because you know about, more about their communications and stuff like that. And social stuff. I think a bull elephant rules the roost. So I'm going to go with the confluence. Final answer. Final answer. Uh, incorrect. The okay. answer was the one we dwelt on the most. Memory. Oh, well. It is, a, it is a memory of elephants. And yes, elephants do have matriarchal societies. They do? Yes, they do. Okay. We're, we're going to talk about something interesting about that later. Uh, I have... 
absolutely loads of fast facts. So let's let's do the description as fast as possible. Okay, okay, okay. So the description. If you don't know what an African <laughs> elephant looks like and you can't look it up, uh, they're big and gray. Uh, so big, in fact, that they are the largest land animal on Earth in terms of mass. Yeah. 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 Uncontested. They're big uh, boys. African elephants are distinct from Asian elephants based on, do you know how to tell the difference? Um, one Besides is in size. Africa and the other one is in probably yes, going to have to go with very Asia. good if you're in if you're in Asia or India specifically and you see an elephant it's probably an Indian elephant but it will also have much smaller ears m- smaller and more angular ears whereas African elephants have big wide like broadleaf sort of looking ears that are kind of in the shape of Africa <laughs> yeah kind of yeah uh that's pretty good that's a good way to remember it um so big animals have the opposite problem to smaller animals. They need to keep cool. Whereas, you know, like we talked about with tiny animals, they need to eat a lot to maintain their metabolism to, to, to keep warm. Uh, big animals have the opposite problem So they have really slow metabolisms. So their metabolic engines don't burn too hot, but these big, large flat ears are really helpful for elephants to cool down Warm blood runs through the ears, which is close to the outside air. Uh, The elephants fan these ears to cool down the blood as it goes back into the body. So you can do the same thing by splashing cold water where blood blood runs close to your skin, like your ears, your wrists, and your face on a hot day. Same principle. You don't need it as much as elephants do, though. Yeah, it's really hot where they are. Yeah, and they're huge. And they're massive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Elephants also have distinctive tree trunk-like feet that help distribute their large weight more sturdily. Uh, The larger an animal animal gets, the thicker their legs need to be to support their weight. Otherwise, you know, their legs would snap like twigs. And speaking of trunks, they have a six-foot-long nose called a trunk, which is useful uh, for reaching plants and even grabbing things. More on that later. But now we really have to talk about the elephants in the room, which is their respective size. Oh, no. And I, that... This could be well, really bad. This could be really bad, but uh, I think this one's going to... This is a tamer measure up than normal. Oh, good, anyway, good, good. good. Uh, speaking of measure up, welcome to the beloved measure up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show, the part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send in audio of yourself singing, saying, or chittering the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We do have a new uh, measure up intro this week as we return once again to the Nantahala Forest Saga for the second to last time. Uh, so yes, let's get into the, the, the segment without further ado. And you can tell us who this is, uh, the listener's favorite part of the show. Measure up. Obviously that's goofy himself. Yeah. I sending in a measure up. He was with you in the Nantahala forest. It were, I mean, he's, he's part of the family kind of. A distant cousin by marriage or something. We just we have to invite him to some of the uh, 
the reunions, but he's not really welcome, you know? <laughs> That's sad for, for him. It's because he says things like that all the time. Uh, well, I, I do appreciate him sending in a measure up. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, uh, I think that was Josh as well. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I actually skipped a Henry one because it came right after Henry did the first one. <laughs> And that's going to be the last one, but interesting. He's right. what a vocal range Josh has. Yeah, it's, he's he's really hard. That, that's how you know a good voice actor is they're just difficult to uh, to identify. <laughs> uh, thank you once again, Josh. Let's get right into it. Let's do it. Here's the height. Uh, the largest ever in the world on record was shot in Angola in the fifties. And it was about 3.96 meters or 13 feet at the shoulder. That is very big. That's very big. That's taller than... That's, man, that's crazy. That's it's about three feet taller than my parents' Christmas tree. And Goliath was nine and a half feet tall. Yeah. And this, and this Af- African elephant at the shoulder towered over him. That is crazy. I mean, you'd stand up next to this thing and come up to just above its knee. Yeah. Oh, boy. Big boy. Uh, But on average, they're about 3.2 meters or 10 feet at the shoulder. Are we going with that? We're going with that. Okay. I like 10. 10's better than 13. Uh, So how many short-eared elephant shrews go into the height of an elephant? Oh, okay. Here's a hint. Elephant shrews are so named because of their elongated noses. Uh, they aren't elephants, obviously, and they aren't shrews, actually. Um, they're also incredibly cute, especially the black and rufous elephant shrew. When you get to a place where you can look it up, I suggest it. They're probably, probably pretty tiny mouse-like things, which is ironic for the elephant because they're... Um, Culturally, cartoonishly depicted as being afraid of mice. I, I like to think of it as a uh, a genuine respect for other living things, and they're not afraid of the mouse. They just don't want to step on him. <laughs> I, I had always heard as a kid that they were afraid that the mouse would like run up its nose and block it. Then they don't have to be afraid of it. They just have to pick their nose up. <laughs> yeah, true. I'm going to say the elephant shrew is mm, four inches which means there's three of them in a foot, which means that 30 of them go into the height of an elephant. Final answer? Yes. The correct answer is 26 shrews. Whoa, four shrews off. The shrew is 150 millimeters or 5.9 inches. Oh, I was going to say six inches, but I was like, that seems a little bit too big. But I who knows? Who knows? You know. Not a bad one. Not a bad round. Now we all know. Uh, let's go move on to weight. The largest ever. Again, the Angolan one was 24,000 pounds. Oh. Or like 11,000 kilograms. Crazy. But on average, males are about 13,200 pounds. Still big. Okay. Which one are so we going with? We're going with 13,200. Okay. How many smart cars go into the average male elephant? Which was a 13-2. 13-2. Wow, I feel like it's a smart car per leg. Well, here's a hint. 
Smart is a German car brand that produces small cars designed for cities. Swatch, the Swiss Swiss watch company, uh, their CEO, Nicholas Hayek, started developing the idea in 1982 with the notion to approach car manufacturing with the Swatch manufacturing model. And it was originally called the Swatchmobile. Swatch, which doesn't stand for Swiss watch, actually stands for second watch. I did not know that. Huh. Because they were originally designed to be a casual, disposable second watch. And in response to the Japanese digital watch, like, explosion. Ironically, they're, they made such a name for themselves that their watches are not casual or disposable anymore. They're very expensive. <laughs> huh. We went from smart cars to watches. Yeah, yeah, well, I didn't know that. I'm going to say a smart car is a thousand pounds, meaning that Batman could bench it. Ridiculous. <laughs> he has superpowers, changed my mind. So I guess I'll say 13.2. 13.2. 1, 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. 13. Captain America can bench it, but not Batman. <laughs> somebody with superpowers <laughs> can just bench a little bit more than somebody without. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for some fast facts? Yes. Fast fact it up. All right. So there's a million things to talk about, like their relative intelligence, their social structure, their memory, their ability to grieve and show affection. But I narrowed it down to three very interesting fast facts. The first of which is more about Africa than it is about elephants. The African elephant isn't the only large animal in Africa, obviously. We all know this. In fact, in the top 10 most massive animals, eight live in Africa. And two, the Asian elephant and the gaur, uh, which is like a bull, live in India. Huh. I wouldn't think, I would have thought the uh, tiger would have made it in there. In terms of mass. Oh, so I guess it like, doesn't compare to like uh, buffalo and stuff like that. Yeah, buffalo and moose and stuff like that would right. be bigger than the, in terms of mass. Um, yeah. So there are a variety of reasons Africa may be so prolific in terms of big boys. The most likely is the vast available habitat. Uh, humans are usually pointed to f- as the cause for the extinction of large animals. Organized hunting is always tempered by the size of prey versus the size of the group uh the bigger your group the more food you need so humans are really prolific hunters of big game because we're really good at tactics and also we're good at throwing stuff (laughs) so so for instance a wolf has to shove their face into prey to bring it down whereas a hunter gatherer human could stand far away and throw a spear or a rock so even pre-industry people were a major threat to animals like the American buffalo or the American bison. Right. But post-industry people also develop a lot of land, which cuts into the need uh, needed territory for large animals. Africa, on the other hand, has loads of space and forested areas for large animals to hide from humans, and it, it's more undeveloped throughout history than other continents in the world. So there's lots of space and habitat. Uh, still other factors like poaching and the ivory trade have put elephants and other big animals 
at risk, even in Africa. So the second thing is that elephants' trunks are uh, also very helpful to their relative size. So an elephant's size means its mouth is far away from the ground. They don't have long dextrous, de- dexterous necks like giraffes. And if they don't find food and water that's mouth height, they need to be able to bring those things to their mouth, obviously. So trunks are used for, for everything from feeding, dusting, drinking, defense, and anything else they might need to get their like tiny little dexterous nose tips on. So they're, they're so <laughs> prehensile. Get your they nose have, tips like, off me. I, for, I didn't find what these were called. If They, had, they, they were called processes. Uh, finger-like, these finger-like doohickeys in the ends of their trunk that allow them to grip things. Hmm. And those things even have little hairs that like help them feel, feel stuff. Somatosensory tactile hairs. Yes. So trunks are thought to be controlled by as many as 60,000 muscles, Oops. which is a lot. Yes. Third thing, African elephant bulls uh, go through a seasonal condition called must, which is a sh- which is shrouded in debate and mystery. So, do you know? Have you heard of this? I've heard of it with other animals. So, must is characterized by swollen temporal gl- glands that produce this oily discharge. Yum. It also comes with extreme aggression and very, very high testosterone levels. Testosterone levels can be as high as sixty times their normal levels. So it's like a it's it's like the um, things called the rut for deer. Yes, but it's different. So rut, it, it typically happen the must typically happens in winter, and some have speculated that elephants go through must as a part of a rut, which is a seasonal mating period in which females are ready to reproduce and males compete for their affections. However, females don't go through seasonal estrus cycles like deer do. Hmm. So, and, and also males can become so enraged that they attack and kill females during must. Sounds counterproductive. It would, it would be counterproductive if it had to do with, you know, a rut type thing. So, This phenomenon isn't well studied because even the most mild and gentle elephants become hostile to researchers during must. Bull elephants in must have been reported to attack people, rhinos, buffaloes, and other elephants, and basically anything that they don't like. I've heard stories like, you know, they flip jeeps, they toss rhinos like ragdolls, they, like... They get shot by like an elephant caliber weapon and continue to charge. They're rage monsters in this in this state. That's and crazy. Not, not to be trifled with. I saw, I was on safari with uh, and saw an African bull elephant in the road in front of our van in winter in South Africa. So well, I wonder how much danger we were in. So they, I mean, you can tell, you can, like, there's a video I saw of a guy in a Jeep, like, approaching an elephant in must, and he was, like, kind of narrating everything. And, like, he's saying he, how he was keeping his distance and how he wanted to be able to make a quick escape if he ch- decided to charge. But he also said that he could smell 
the the elephant from like yards away because must is so the like the the oily discharge is so potent uh. that you can smell it. Uh, so th- there's some telltale signs. So like this patch of glands right be, like on their cheek right behind their eyes just is leaking so it looks like tears coming out of their cheek that so sounds you can tell by metal. that and you can smell them you can tell you can tell that uh these in massive animals are hyper aggressive because they're weeping tears of anger and fury <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can just see this the streams down their face Ugh. but so it's very difficult to keep male elephants in captivity for this reason and methods for dealing with must seem to be pretty pretty not good for the elephant they can either be loaded up with tranquilizers and medications to help with swelling and stuff like that or they can be uh kept in isolation for months at a time in very well fortified like areas because you can look up videos of this one elephant at this uh, reserve in Thailand. This is an Asian elephant and he's just ripping apart barricades and stuff like that just by pushing on it with his trunk. And he doesn't even look very enraged. He's kind of walking around tearing stuff apart. So, and then there's a third thing where they, this is not officially like, um, people don't officially say this is a preferred method, uh, but it's something that zoos in other countries do. They will keep them in starvation, a starvation on a starvation diet, and that apparently shortens the the length of must for like to from a month to like a week or two. But it it's frowned upon as inhumane. But the the people that do it argue that it's better than keeping them in isolation for up to th- two or three months. So that, that's interesting. That's a wicked problem there. All three of these, these like ideas uh, of dealing with it are not ideal, but there's another thing that people have kind of discovered in studying this. Uh, it's been found that must typically occurs in young males when no older male is present. So introducing an older male seems to prevent must from occurring. Huh. What if they just watched Bob Ross videos? <laughs> that calms no, anybody there's, down. There's no substitute. You need that you know, male role model in your life showing you how not to go into a rage mode <laughs> and flip a Jeep. It's the, male, the older male is just like, hey, listen, Junior, <laughs> yeah. don't. I know just you're upset. Don't. I know you're weeping oily tears from your cheek, but just you know, don't, it's not though. worth it. Try, try not doing that, uh, and then I think we'll be fine here. But yeah, that's all I got for Fast Facts. All right. Yeah, it's always tough because these el- these um, animals that we are really familiar with, we just have tons of information on, and they're super interesting. That's why we're really familiar with them. But let's talk about something that you may not know about the elephant. So, you, like we mentioned, they have many distinct features that make them instantly recognizable, but... No crude drawing of one of these sort of gentle giants would be complete without their huge floppy ears, as we mentioned. Uh, These ears are used for keeping cool, keeping flies away, as well as communicating happiness or even aggression. So if you see them flapping, don't assume you know what that's for. Um, But like most ears, they're primarily used for hearing. 
And these guys are some of the best hearers around. Interesting. Since, since elephants don't have too much to worry about in terms of predators, uh, although like a, a party of elephants, a hunting party, could take one down. Did I say elephants? Lions. Oh, party, yes. Hunting party of lions could take one down. And um, uh, infants are vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. But Even though they're 200 pounds. Infants are vulnerable, but they spend the you know they only have one calf at a time and spends most of its time really close to its mother, which then any predator would have to get through her to get to the calf. So um, unless it starts, the calf starts to fall behind. But in any case, elephants are usually listening for other elephant noises um, more so than predators. But you know both obviously, and we usually think of an elephant noise to be that iconic trumpeting sound. Um, but they make a lot of other noises. Uh, they, it's a whole variety of sounds, including barks, grunts, snorts, roars, and high-pitched cries and whines, like kind of like a dog. Um, and all of these can be picked up at almost a mile away by other elephants with their exceptional ears. But the most common sound they make isn't any of those, especially the trumpeting. Um, it's a low-frequency grumble. That's so low that uh, humans can't even hear it. Hmm. So humans can hear from about 20 to 20,000 hertz. Men speak at about... The, the average adult male speaks at about 110 hertz. Women at 220 hertz. And children speak at an average of about 300 hertz. Um, elephants... <laughs> can create sounds as low as 5 hertz. So that so remember, we can only hear down to 20. But they can create sounds as low as 5. Um, and most of their calls are around 12 to 15. So all of these are infrasonic for us. But don't confuse a low-frequency sound with a soft sound because the de decibel level for these can get up to 112 decibels, which is almost as loud as an ambulance siren. It's pretty close to that 125 decibel pain threshold. So, would you not hear it but feel it? Um, if you had sensitive seismic equipment, maybe. Oh, I, okay. But your eardrums wouldn't pick up the sound. So I don't. I'm not sure if it was if it was louder. If it was 100, if 125 decibels. If you would just start getting a headache for some reason. Hmm. But and because higher tones fade out as sound travels, when they do some of their other calls, uh, the elephants can judge how far away the caller is by checking the area code on his caller ID. Actually, he can judge it by how low the frequency is. So if the frequency is pretty low, and it was like a like a, a grunt or a, a bark or something like that, um, then they can tell that it was pretty far away. But if it's if the frequency is higher, then um, it's then they know that the uh, the caller is closer. But here's the catch. These rumbles in the jungle can be heard <laughs> through the ears, of course, but they're also heard through the feet. Hmm. As I mentioned, seismic equipment would be needed. So zoologists, I mean, I guess, loxodontists? <laughs> That's, yeah, loxodontists, um, believe that sound travels through the ground. I mean, it does travel through the ground, but these particular sounds travel through the ground um, up the up to the elephant's toenails and reverberates into their ear bones so it's not they're just they're, it's not that they're just feeling it they're like Aragorn with his ear to the ground saying that their pace is quickened and they must have caught their scent <laughs> um, they can actually hear it 
So, um, you know, those little, they're those, they just came out with these, uh, kinds of headphones that they don't go into your ear. They attach to your temple and vibrate the sound into your head. Skull. Yeah. Have you heard of those? Yeah. I've never tried it. It's probably pretty crazy, but apparently it's like crystal clear sound and it doesn't hurt your eardrums. Um, it doesn't sound like something I want, but maybe I'll try it someday. But this is kind of the same same thing. I mean, sound is just vibrations um, at certain frequencies, so uh, it can be easily transmitted through the ground and through bone and things like that. So these elephants can use these rumbles as well as... Uh, these their their low frequency rumbles as well as uh, stamping their foot on the ground to send like a zoom call to friends and family members who are social distancing up to six miles away and within a range of forty square miles around them. So hmm. they can they have when you see an elephant and there's another elephant like five or six miles away that they know that the other one is there uh, and they're probably talking to each other. So elephants can use this subtle long-range communication to warn others of predators, find mates, coordinate with traveling family members, or alert others to resources like food and water during droughts. Sophisticated. Yeah, and they're they're still doing research on um, the level of sophistication for the language that they use. Um, And uh, there's still a lot that they don't know. So they don't know how how much information is being transmitted with um these different kinds of signals like whether they're saying just danger and that's it um or like lion danger or human danger or human danger 10 miles to the west or something like that (laughs) 40 clicks yeah who who knows um but we do know that they will not forget it once they once they know where you are or where something is because elephants I, never forget. I saw some something where they maybe hold grudges. Oh yeah, I mean the the major fact is about their their low their their hearing and, and frequency of communication. But you could make a whole other major fact about their level of intelligence because they're up there with uh, cetaceans like dolphins and pilot whales and um, also Apes. primates. Yeah, I mean they're. They can paint. They're elephants. They can paint. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it takes a lot of uh, physical abuse to get them to do that, but they can still paint. That's pretty impressive. So don't make them paint, but it's it's still impressive to know that they can. <laughs> just kind of, you know, give, give them the resources and just like, you know, don't pigeonhole them into the the extracurriculars you want. You know, let them find something for themselves. Yeah, or like dance. Means, if you have several we, elephants, we know we've seen like elephants dancing in tutus. Maybe they want want to dance. Is that a Fantasia reference? That was a Fantasia reference. I thought but it I feel was, like that's a pretty ubiquitous little cartoon. I thought it was a hippo in tutus. I don't remember. Oh, maybe it is. Deep cut. Actually, it's not that deep. Most people have seen Fantasia. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got. I mean, if you type in elephant and tutu, you get a lot of results, but not. <laughs> I think you're right that the Fantasia one is hippos. Hippos and crocodiles uh, dancing to, uh, I think, Bach. Humans Bach. just think it's funny to have a very big, rotund animal wear something that's made for dainty dancers. 
Dainty Dancers. Hold me closer. Hold me closer, Dainty <laughs> Dancer. That's not what I would say to an elephant. <laughs> Especially not one in must. No, no, no. And it's really intimidating because we we did drive up to one and it walked past our our van and the fact that it was like once it got close like we just couldn't we couldn't see its face anymore it was just so big huh. uh that and just yeah i could i was like wow i'm gonna we're gonna be like lex and tim during the t-rex attack in in jurassic park this thing could just toss us toss us around and crush this van he could they could like they they can spear the side of a van like through the metal that what that's that's pretty crazy i saw chuck it i saw a video of one charging and goring a buffalo and just lifting it completely off the ground just like the immense strength and their trunks they can lift like i forget like no i'm not gonna say they can lift a lot with their trunks I can't remember if it's 3% or a third of their body weight, and that's very, very different. <laughs> I mean, it's it's 10 times different. Yeah. And the answer is 300 kilograms, which is about 620 pounds, probably. That sounds like it's about three percent of their body weight but so three percent is still quite a lot when you're dealing with a very big yeah when you're thirteen thousand pounds that is yeah i mean that's why they can pick up entire tree trunks they can push them down and then pick them up i mean they're they're the bulldozers of the savannah Uh, they they actually serve a a natural function kind of like a like a a brush fire would serve a natural function and they 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 open paths they um they break down canopies so and then so that underbrush can get sunlight where they previously couldn't they are interesting and cool creatures so for you out there in podcastio when you see danger stomp your feet give a little rumble and keep your ears and feet open like the african elephant here in life death and taxonomy Hey everyone, Carlos here. We'd love it if we could just stomp our feet and rumble deeply to alert everyone in a six mile radius of interesting animal info, but alas, we are too small and our ears don't work so good. So instead, we rely on listeners like you to spread the word. Don't miss an opportunity to tell people about how interesting our animal info is here, even if it means interjecting during someone else's conversation, speech, or eulogy. There is literally never a bad time to tell your family and soon-to-be ex-friends about our show here. You can also leave a review on your favorite podcasting app. That works, too. In any case, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Life, Death, and Taxonomy is my favorite in the world podcast. (laughs) Do you see what I see?